Welcome to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast. Well, many thanks for joining us on the Journal of Biophilic Design today. We are really excited to uh, be with Carlo Battisti. He's president of the Living Future Europe. And he's also co-founder of the Biophilic Society. And before I go any further, please make sure you do visit the link that's on the website because there is a new Biophilia Summit, um, which is really exciting. It's online. Um, it's on the 7th of June, 2023, between 9 and 5 UK time. And obviously streams all over the world because it's online. So if you're interested in Biophilia and Biophilic Design, please do register. Um, it's incredibly affordable, I have to say. Um, I was surprised at how, how reasonably priced it was. So um, it's um, it's affordable and accessible for everybody. So I really do encourage you to have a listen. There's some amazing speakers, um, everything from interior designers to psychologists and, and everything else, including um, the Stephen R. Kellett Biophilic Design Award winners. Um, there's two of them. Um, he's going to be telling us about that shortly. Um, Carlo is also in the team coordinating the European category and he's also a judge. So, um, Carlo, many thanks for joining us today, first of all. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Vanessa. It's a pleasure. Lovely. Um, your professional career um, has involved you in different aspects of construction and sort of taking you across civil engineering, technical director and, and all sorts of things, including innovation. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and also what you're doing now, please? Yeah, totally. Well, uh, I'm a building engineer's background, so I graduated uh, Polytechnic of Milan and I really I graduated on Friday and I started working on Monday in construction firms and I worked in construction firms for 20 years, say with different roles. Um, and it was totally different scenario. So it was completely another story. And uh, in 2008, you know, uh, also due to the crisis uh, and so forth and so on, I completely changed my uh, my activity and I started dealing with sustainability in the built environment. Uh, uh, there was the beginning, for instance, of uh, the uh, development of uh, sustainability standards in Italy, for instance. Uh, and I started like studying for this uh, new uh, sustainability credentials. And also dealing with the uh, with innovation in the built uh, environment, the building industry. So starting working as project manager on some research projects with uh, companies, research centers, and so forth and so on. So I really started uh, uh, interested more and more about sustainability and sustainable innovation uh, in in the built environment. And I have to say, when I, I discovered the programs uh, from of the International Living Future Institute, which is basically our US-based partner, uh, our is meaning uh, the Living Future Europe. I, I said, uh, uh, this is basically what we should do. Let's say this is really uh, the, the the top of uh, sustainability standard. Not not only it's really the the only way we should uh, um, perform, let's say, and work. Uh, meaning. Uh, designing and building buildings that are completely net or, or even positive from an environmental perspective and so forth and so on. And the more that I'm working with them, uh, the more that I'm working on, on these uh, topics uh, and uh, considering the, the urgency of the climate uh, emergency, it's now so evident that we, we really need to take a completely different uh, approach and we really need a paradigm shift. So that's why I'm already working like for a few years now on trying to to, to create this uh, this shift uh, in the built environment, the building industry at a different level, which is, is not easy. 
Yeah, um, I mean, obviously, I've spoken to you quite a few times now, and I know you're incredibly passionate about this. Um, I mean, really, really passionate. And obviously, you're making it your life work, which is wonderful. Um, why is this? I mean, this is really, it's a massive question, but I, I kind of want it from a personal point of view. Why is sustainability important to you? Yeah, it's, well, uh, when I say it's a matter of survival now, basically, and we know that every um so for instance we are coming like for some severe floodings in italy in these days probably you you read the news so uh, and people are sometimes still surprised or what's happening and uh, they say okay this is something that uh it's always happened in the past okay yeah but this phenomenon are becoming like more and more frequent like they're really occurring on a yearly base in places where in the past it, it wasn't so so we, we we know that we have these big uh, global issues to solve and our responsibility starting from the built environment is really to address them uh, in a very effective way, in a much more effective way, because we know that uh, the built environment, for instance, is impacting on on, on these global issues uh, dramatically, you know, that uh, this 40% this number, 40% CO2 emissions coming from uh, the built environment which is always in every report, in every book, uh, in every book. So, so okay, we know it. So, what, what, what are we doing? So, th this is basically why we we need to take uh, a really much more effective, uh, uh, say, uh, step, let's say, uh, and and actions uh, in what we are doing. So, this is now the in the DNA of our work. So, we cannot like design or build without considering. Uh, this topic so so it's really something that we have to implement in our daily daily activities and um, so th that's why I feel that uh, they are, it's so important and on the other hand I feel uh, often frustrated about the barely visible progress that we had uh, in, in the built environment because also regardless already like two or even three decades about on green building, green building strategy, and so forth and so on, you know, so uh, the, the progress is really barely visible. So the curve of, of uh, greenhouse gases emissions is still ramping up. Uh, and we are not seeing really a, a change because no economy and people would like really to uh, go ahead with this business as usual perspective because it's difficult to change. It's really something that uh, is, is, is complicated from a cultural perspective, from uh, even if we have all the technologies available, we have all the strategies, we, we know what to do. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, Greta Thunberg said, so the problem is solved So because we know the solutions. We have only to implement them. And um, so that's why it's important that we are we are addressing the, these topics uh, in a more effective way. Yeah. What's, what's your most sort of biggest uh, frustration with the construction industry? I mean, and this is massive beer moth that moves so slowly and there's too many parts to it, I think, from my point of view. But for you, what's your sort of, uh, obviously having worked in it, um, you know, what's what's your biggest frustration, the way we build generally? Yeah, you know, traditionally speaking, it's a sector that's uh, not so innovative, even if there are a lot of innovations available, yeah. but it's really like uh, the the top of of the iceberg, but the 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 general so the business as usual uh, way of working uh, it's not so uh, innovative, and uh, uh, the complication comes also from the fact that basically when we are building, it's always like a new prototype each time. So you're building your your new home, 
So if if it if it is even even the same, you are making it like in London or in Bristol, it will be two complete different projects. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's why each time it, it's something that it looks like we are starting from scratch, and uh, it's always it's also difficult to standardize the the processes to sometimes also to industrialize the processes, um, and and that's why that's probably one of the reasons why it's so difficult, it's so slow in uh, this sector in changing. Uh, even if uh, the, it is so important, because we know we, we spend ninety percent of our time in buildings and in closed spaces, so building where we where we work, when we sleep, when we uh, learn. Uh, so, and the, 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 that's why the built environment is so important because it it actually it actually actually uh, shapes, let's say, the way we are living. Yeah, absolutely. How did you first come across biophonic design? I'm quite curious about that, um, you know, and, and why you're so passionate about it. Yeah, I would say it's really started with uh, dealing with the, this uh, Living Building Challenge framework. The Living Building Challenge is basically the flagship program of the International Living Future Institute. It was um, developed for the first time in 2006, so already like a while ago. And now we are at the fourth version of the standard, which was published in 2019. And biophilia and biophilia design has always been a core part of the standard of this framework. And it is to say is that from uh, the previous version of the 3.1 version, uh, the biophilic uh, concept was included in the health and happiness uh, petal because you know the living building challenge is is based on the metaphor of the building as a flower. So it is divided in seven petals, so sort of sustainability areas or regenerative sustainability areas. And previously, biophilic was under health and happiness, but then ILFI decided to move under the beauty petal because biophilia is really something that is more than indoor environmental quality is really something that uh, is at the core of um, uh, of how a building could be beautiful and it is beautiful in the way it really reconnects us with nature this is something that we have been disconnected from in the latest decades so uh, and this concept is so powerful and i have to say so th this was basically my first reconnection, let's say, with nature through the standard. And the second point is clearly during the pandemic. So when, when during the pandemic, we discover how important it is to uh, live in a beautiful space like yours so that I see behind you, like with plants and uh, natural light and so forth and so on. If we are, let's say, stuck and obliged to, to, to stay like more than 90 or even 95% or sometimes 100% of our time, within these spaces, within these enclosed spaces for a few days and weeks as it happened during the lockdown. So how the buildings are designed and built, it really matters. And it's something that uh, impacts on people's uh, well-being and health uh, and, and so forth and so on. Mm. I mean, and obviously you see biophilic design as being one of these key factors to um, actually Absolutely. You know, providing this, you know, the restorative sustainability and sort of climate challenges. Yeah, absolutely. Because in, in the end, if we are, if you are able, let's say, to design and build uh, following a better reconnection with nature, it implies that, for instance, we uh, we design for having like uh, daylight, uh, and uh, this is also something that is uh, we can take advantage from also from other uh, and from other angles like the energy uh, consumption, the energy efficiency. Um, again the quality of life uh, so there are already like 
a lot of studies saying that if you are bringing uh, a sufficient uh, quantity of daylight into your enclosed spaces, like if it is a school or if it is a hospital or if it is your home, uh, people we recover first, uh, we recover early, let's say, in the hospitals. Uh, students will learn faster in, the, in classrooms. So there are already like a lot of interesting data and robust data. Uh, and um, it, it's really a different way to design and build something that is not completely new because this is something that we, we did in our, in our past in, in, uh, in many cities and countries in Europe. But it's something that we are really rediscovering. So that, and that, that's why it's so uh, it's so important. It's a new way uh, of uh, designing and building uh, using natural materials uh, and a lot of other features, which is not only let's say putting plants in your uh, indoor spaces. You know, it's 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 something more. Yeah, absolutely. It's quite interesting. Um, I did that event the other the other week, um, uh, the workspace event, and. Uh, it was interesting the amount of people that came because it was I was just like the only sort of green thing really if you know what I mean um in the space and people coming from all over and they were like so what's that and I had a load of stats on my little pop-up banner and they said what's the uh, what, what is this what is that and they they didn't even know about biophilic design and you, th and you think because we're working in this space all the time we're always talking about biophilia biophilic design it's like almost like now for me it's like all oh, the stats are like oh yeah we all know about those but we forget that we just keep having to keep repeating and plugging and repeating and plugging those stats and just sharing that information to everybody that we're speaking to. Um, it's it's incredibly important, I think. Um, and obviously that's one of the reasons probably why you set up the Biophilic Society or Biophilic Society, so you can bring everybody together. I mean, can you explain what compelled you to actually, you know, draw the voices together? Yeah, the, this idea of Biophilic Society basically came out of from this uh, Biophilia camp that we organized last autumn in the, in the woods of South Tyrol. So we are we are in a nice place in Italy, uh, in the mountains. Let's say we organize basically this four days uh, workshop uh, with participants and trainees. Uh, is it, it was really a peer to peer uh, collaboration and experience with indoor and outdoor activities, mm. learning and practicing about biophilia and biophilic design. So studying, for instance, the the elements and attributes from Stephen Keller and other strategies. Uh, with also some uh, uh, practical examples, with some outdoor exploration, we, we really had, let's say, a good a good time for four days. Uh, and uh, after that, we came out, let's say, saying, okay, but we should we should do more because we we discovered that when we launched, for instance, the uh, the, the registration for this event, uh, we received an application from all over Europe. There was a person from Iceland. There were a couple of persons from Jordan. Basically, from all the countries in Europe, there were also one person from the United States. So in the end, we realized, oh my gosh, this is really a network of people that are were waiting for some activities to feel all connected in a sort of living system, as we, as we used to say. Mm -hmm. And that's why we, we say, okay, we should do much, we should do something more. Like for instance, establish this biophilic society, which is nothing uh, administrative or legal. It's really... A, a network and again a living system of passionate uh, people uh, from all over the world uh, we are meeting on a monthly basis um presenting some uh, let's say best practices from from biophilia not only from biophilia design but also uh, from from other um disciplines and and, and sectors and uh, the the biophilia summit that we are organizing on the 7th of june is um that, that you mentioned is one of the outcome of this biophilic society 
uh, activities. Again, it's, it's a network, there is a manifesto. So we truly believe that reconnecting with nature will save our society. And this is also pun intended in the name because it's really biophilic society really thinking, you know, remember like the societies in London of the 19th century is like society of whatever. Yeah. So it's really a society of people passionate about bio biophilia, but also a biophilic society. So the concept of the idea or the vision that society should be more biophilic. So the society where we, where we live in, because, you know, specifically in big cities people have really uh completely lost the connection with nature so like for instance children don't know uh how for instance the food is produced like to, to give like an example or uh and and another another issue say so that's why there is a urgent need give it also consider that we are more and more uh moving to big cities and this is a trend that is completely un that's why we need to we need to 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 find a, a different uh, uh, meaning, and and we understand also that there are people now making basically the 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 way back. So they're going the way back, meaning that there are really some people that are leaving cities, big cities, or even small cities, and going moving to villages. And this is also something that uh, happened during the pandemics, meaning that people were like uh, blocked in their like weekend or something, and they realize, okay, I can work from from home. Let's say. And it's much better that living in a big city and moving in a big city. Yeah, you realise that when you've experienced it and you actually got the choice to move around and, and be and we just gravitate to nature and to looking at trees and plants. And, you know, I've where I've got, I've got like a little walkway in front of where we are and, and there's yeah. cherry trees and, and things. That's amazing. And, you know, it's, it's so lovely and people walk past and they just stop amazing. all different ages and groups. It started, obviously, I, I noticed it more during lockdown but it's, it's continued and there's more people that it uses the cut through now. And I've just let all the grass, which should be, you know, nicely mown. It's just wild. And there's cow parsley and buttercups and everything. And, and it's, and it's lovely. And I, I love awesome. the, the society, the, the, your concept that of, you know, it's a biophilic, biophilic society, <clears throat> excuse me, but actually it's about society being biophilic. Um, yeah, it is really, really wonderful. Um, can you tell us about the summit that's coming up? Um, you know, what's going to be on it, what's going to be on the programme, and then also maybe where people can register. I'm, I'm, and just people listening, I'm going to put a link on the on the, the spiel. Yeah, no, no. Uh, again, this summit uh, came from, from from these previous activities that we organised, but uh, the, the intent of the summit is also to move uh, uh, outside, you know, the constraints and the borders of uh, the architects and engineering environment. Because sometimes we, we think, okay, biophilia is uh, related to architecture or uh, it, it's not. So it's basically, we can really uh, address biophilia from, from totally different angles. So, and uh, the intent of this uh, first summit um, is really to listen from voices, from different perspectives, from different disciplines. So we will have some examples from the architectural uh, environment, but we will have also like... Uh, uh, persons and speakers speaking about the quality and the effect of light, the importance of light, and then psychology, and then uh, photography. Uh, for instance, we will have uh, one of the speakers presenting uh, some pictures and shots, let's say, taken from nature and how basically... So, and the, behind this picture, there is always like a story to tell. Um, we will talk um, about the biophilic design, a biophilia effect on healthcare, 
um, so how it is so uh, so important. We will have also session on artificial intelligence. So this is a bit funny. So basically, we ask artificial intelligence, okay, can you please prepare a session on biophilia and artificial intelligence for the summit? And she, I, I don't know, she did it. Basically, she produced a title, a pretty long title, uh, and an abstract uh, and a concept for the presentation and, and also the present uh, presentation. So basically, this is our first self-artificial uh, intelligence organized uh, session within every of our events and uh, pretty curious about uh, this um yeah so and we will talk about agriculture we will talk about fashion for instance also the combination between uh, uh regenerative practice in agriculture and fashion you know fashion is also another sector that's really impacting a lot in terms of environmental issues um we will have also a session uh, on uh, architecture and beauty and neuroscience, which is the effect for us and seeing different forms of architecture. Um, yeah, so it, it will be a full day, let's say, again, uh, around six hours, let's say, uh, with speakers from uh, all over Europe. So we will start from Japan in the morning and we will close with a roundtable uh, with biophilic experts from the United States. And from the United Kingdom, uh, in the end, uh, you will be the moderator of this session. So we are also pretty excited about it. Uh, and I think it will be a, a, a good day, let's say, a good opportunity to learn about the state of the art conversation about biophilia. Uh, and this will basically, um, let's say, be helpful and beneficial, let's say, for, for our uh, followers and participants. That's wonderful. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to it. So doing the, <clears throat> excuse me, moderating the roundtable at the uh, end of the day, um, rounding things up. So I'm really looking forward to being there. And thanks for asking me. It's really nice of you. Um, one of the speakers at the summit, well, you've got two speakers at the summit, actually, who have received the award, um, the Stephen R. Kellett <clears throat> Biophilic Design Award. And you briefly told me at the beginning who they are, the first one from Japan um, and the, the, the winner here. So can you tell us a little bit about who is going to be speaking, if you can reveal? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. The, the, this is basically the, so, you know, this Stephen Kellett uh, Award is happening uh, annually. Um uh, and uh, we will have uh, the same uh, event. It's, it's the first time they are convening the same place, the same event. Basically, the winner from uh, last year edition, which is a, um, a beautiful biofield building uh, at the railway station in, in Japan, the JR Kumamoto railway station uh, building. And we will have a project manager from uh, Nikkel Seke, which is an important design and construction firm in Japan, presenting uh, the project. And after him, we will have uh, uh, Gies Brugging from Orga Architect, which is this design firm in the Netherlands, uh, uh, the designer of um, uh, the the Verwondering. Uh, the Verwondering is basically a translation of uh, the amazement is this school and uh, primary school in the Netherlands. Um, uh, in village called Almer that uh, won uh, both the European category of the world this year and the global category together with another uh, beautiful building now. We will present these two projects, these two different projects with the diff totally different culture and we will have also a conversation with the, with the two designers. So it, it, it would be interesting. It's going to be really, really exciting. Um, yeah. 
you did mention about a fire station. I know that was about something else, but can you just um, reveal, can you just, because I just I just find that really interesting so people can go off and Google this as well. Um, and again, I might put a link in, but you said there was one of the winners or one of the shortlisted, was it? What was the... What was no, no, it? it was, so basically is the, 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 this year we had two winners. So this school from the Netherlands and this fire station building in, uh, in Iowa, uh, the Marion Fire Station, you can Google or say, or search on the ILFI uh, websites. Uh, there is an article presented the, this year's finalists because we had a dozen of finalists uh, with great projects from all over the world uh, with also some big names, let's say. Um, but this building is, is particularly interesting because, uh, so sometimes we, we 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 don't think about the stress that firemen are having uh, while they're working uh, in their in their activities, uh, daily activities. So the sort of a strategy to design and build uh, spaces for them to recover um, in a correct, in a proper way, faster, let's say, uh, in harmony with nature, uh, reducing the stress. Um, so the, 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 that's why this project is also interesting and also some strategies that uh, they implemented, uh, um, like for instance, they adopted another, again from Japan, a Japanese uh, technique, you know, to burn the uh, the wood and to make, to create like sort of a, a tiles to cover the building. Uh, also, this technique is something that uh, is um, making the, the timber or the wood, let's say, uh, more waterproof and more resistant and durable. Um, so this is also a, a name that I don't remember in Japan, Japanese, sorry, but it's also interesting. So it's uh, the color is black in the end. This mm -hmm. is a, one of the strategies. It's, a, again, a biophilic strategy that they, they implemented, that they adopted for this building. It's another interesting project, absolutely. Yeah, that's wonderful. So again, um, listeners, I'm going to put links on the website um, to Living Future Europe um, and to the uh, Biophilic Summit as well. So do uh, make sure you click on the, the links on the spiel or go to the website journalofbiophilicdesign.com and all the links will be on on the um, the entry for this podcast on our podcast section on our website. So um Carlo, many thanks for joining us on this. I really, really appreciate your time. And I'm so looking forward to the summit. On the Likewise. Summit thanks too. so much, Vanessa. Re really am. Um, I've, uh, I'm going to ask you the final question in a second. Um, but is there anything else that you'd like to add um, before we get there? <laughs> well, uh, let's see. Follow us and uh, let us know if you have any ideas. Also, for uh, also thinking about the next meetings of the Biophilic Society. Because basically each month we are really presenting one of the member of the Biophilic Society. Uh, for instance, the next uh, um, the next session, uh, uh, which will be uh, this week, uh, is about uh, biophilic, uh, biophilia and art. Um, so there will be a person presenting some uh, most walls works that she's doing. So it's also interesting. So if you have any ideas, or uh, please join us first. So sign the manifesto on our website on the Biophilic uh, Society page, and um, yeah, we are we are absolutely uh, eager to 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 meet you at the next uh, meetings. You are more than welcome. That's that's a nice invitation, listeners. So get on down to the <laughs> Biophilic Society. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, Carlo, final question. Um, if you could paint the world with a magic brush of biophilia, what would it look like? Yeah, so well, that's a difficult, difficult question. Um, 
Yeah, sometimes we, you know, there is always like this discussion, okay, but how can we solve this global issues? Like it is an individual task or this is something we have to do collectively. We have to do both. So it's something that we, we cannot solve on our own. Uh, but we can do something, let's say, on, on our individual perspective, on our own, and uh, working together with other. So, what we can do uh, about biophilia and uh, reconnecting of, uh, with nature is really to take every one of us, let's say, taking one moment every day to do something reconnecting yourself with nature. It could be really a very easy task, like going outside and uh, let's say um, watch like a tree or uh, taking a bit of fresh air or really like waiting for a few minutes sitting under a tree or let's say under the, the sun rays or also for it could be all like um, on a river so it can be really whatever so depending on where you are uh, based this is something simple but taking like like a, really a daily habits like to do it like every day and to record this moment it can really last seconds or minutes but it's important that, that we record it because you know sometimes you're always like confused with the daily stress and all of the things that we are we are doing we are running running and then in the end we are not uh, like stopping and feeling the experience of this important moment this is my uh, my vision let's say for uh biophilia implementation for for all basically so it could be also another another uh, claim let's say biophilia for all this this could be another claim another payoff that we that we should use because uh, we, we really need to convene and collect the same more people and the people understand that the, how important it is to have a different uh, relation with, na with nature and really reconnect with nature because you know this is something that uh, we, we in many cases we lost in, in the in the last decades um, yeah so uh, and um, yeah and doing like this very practical example like going outside every day and uh, experience like feeling a moment of uh, bliss let's say reconnected with elements of nature could be whatever tree or river or the sun or flower or natural materials or whatever like feeling breathing listening touching so this is probably something that if we can do it like on a daily basis is something that uh, will uh, be really beneficial for us i suppose Thank you for listening to the Journal of Biophilic Design podcast.